right? I get so many comments about this is the best short-term rental or Airbnb that I've stayed in. You probably hear that all the time, right? And and all you have to do is just be a little bit better than just that standard that they expect. And you're just blowing it out mm -hmm. of the water. Yeah. So one of the things that we do, uh, I do this um, right at the moment at which a guest books. Um, so I have a magic phrase that I use. Um, and it is, you can relax and know that we're going to take excellent care of you. Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. Jason Youth here with Straightforward Short-Term Rentals and Pride Away Stays. Attorney Rory Gill, we have an amazing guest on today. I wanted to speak with uh, Rose for quite some time after we first met many months ago, and then she blew me away. <laughs> with uh you know what she was talking about on another one of my masterminds million dollar mastermind by the great julie george she was talking about influencers with her properties you know and how she works with them with short-term rentals but that really got us thinking a little bit bigger about how to have a conversation about branding yourself unconventional ways to really grow your business search engine optimization for short-term rental companies and you're you're as a listener you're going to love hearing from rose because her story is just fantastic she puts all of us to shame frankly you know with the amount of work that we think that we're doing the amount of work that she does right rory yeah and i mean i have to take notes because i have to confess this has always been a weak part of any of the businesses that i've um been in charge of is you know making sure that we have solid social media um collaboration with influencers um you know a well-coordinated SEO effort. We've had um, bits and pieces of that, but I've never really been an expert on it. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. Yeah. And, and with that, let's give a big warm welcome to Rose Tipka. Rose is the founder and CEO of Your Family's Place, which is a vacation rental company in Ohio's Amish country. She comes to us from her world headquarters, uh, where she also <laughs> homeschools her six children. Rose, my goodness. Yes. Uh, we're very busy around here and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Well, before we hit record, I said, it looks like it's somebody's birthday. And you said, it's always somebody's birthday, right? It's <laughs> always somebody's birthday. So like you said, I am a homeschooling mom of six kids. We've been homeschooling for 11 years, but I also own and manage a vacation rental portfolio worth more than $3 million. We own and manage all of our own homes. And we specialize specifically in vacations for multi-generational families because we have a big family ourselves. We have such a hard time finding a great vacation rental. So seven years ago, we started our company and we have grown from there. I'm also the mom behind hosting in the motherhood where I share a lot of my hosting information and tips and all of that kind of stuff. Because the reality is, is about 70% of the people in this industry are women and most of us are mothers and we don't have time for nonsense. We need to get that job done. Yeah. There are a lot of women in the short-term rental industry, but you know we don't hear from them as much as we should. A lot of the big loud voices are dudes. They just are. I mean, the conference mm -hmm. that we are going to go to, um, that by the time this comes out, we'll probably have just returned from that conference. Um, I think they tried to bring some more female voices um, into the speaker world this year, but you know, I still think it's a little bit heavily skewed male on that level. So, you know, I'd love to get into that. But um, mm -hmm. you know, Rory, Rose has six children downstairs. Uh, that who are being, you know, who understand that mom is on a podcast right now. You have one, 
you know, in the mm-hmm. same room as you probably right now, because, you know, we're recording this when we had a snow delay at school. So our fingers are crossed that ours understands that we're recording, uh, but that's not a guarantee, right? But I mean, I, in all seriousness, I mean, what you've done, I, I just have a, an amazing amount of respect for what you've done, because I know how difficult it can be to um, navigate all the different directions life pulls you. And, you know, we have one child and I have a, you know, a great partner that we're um, raising her with. But even with that, you know, leg up, it's difficult. It is really difficult to have a business that's meaningful, that's successful and, you know, be a good present parent. Absolutely. So we actually started our company. Uh, My husband bought our first property, unbeknownst to me, I'll have you know, Mm -hmm. the day before I had baby number five. Okay. And there's a whole story behind that because uh, I know neither of you have ever been like 10 years pregnant with a child, but I have. Um, and my husband had come to me right before I gave birth to our fifth and said, I really think we should buy this property. At the time, he was working in the oil and gas industry and I was a stay-at-home mom. I was homeschooling. That was what I was doing. Um, I told him, no, absolutely <laughs> not. The only thing I can think about is getting this human out of my body. Uh, so he um, bought it anyway. And then, and then I had the baby the next day. It was not the right time to break the news to me. So I actually didn't find out until six weeks later when I met our real estate agent at a Christmas party. And that is how our company started. Now, I have to tell you, um, being a mother, being a parent, it adds a, a ferocity to your drive to succeed and to your drive to provide for your family. And I knew that my husband was looking for a career change. I also knew that he was third generation in this particular industry, and it was going to be very hard for him. Uh, I will always say that my husband was the best decision I ever made in my life. He is a fabulous husband, fabulous partner, fabulous in, in all ways. But at that moment in time, he needed me to help him change direction. And that was what I did. Um, It took me three years to build up our company to the point that he could leave his uh, regular job, his W-2 job. I was also pregnant again, which is basically the story of the last 15 years. And, uh, And so I had babies five and six while I was growing the company, building houses, building teams. And a lot of times people will wonder how that happens. And part of it is when you're a mom, and it's your job to support your family and provide for them. There is that ferocity to get that job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever think that you guys would be launching a business like this? You know, along your uh, your family journey. You know, after your fifth child, we no. heard about this. Was this something that you thought would be in the cards for those subsequent years? So what was important to me that I I knew that we needed to make a change and that. I was going to be the one that was going to do it. You know, they say when you're on an airplane, you put on your own oxygen mask first, and then you can save other people. I knew that I had to be the person that was going to lead our family because my husband couldn't just up and leave his job at that moment. I needed to build something on the side that would grow to the point that he could leave and that it was going to be me. But I also was not going to compromise on what was... uh our lifestyle, which was me being with our children, which was me schooling them. And so I had to build a business and a career that allowed me to have everything that I wanted to have. And I was not going to compromise on that. Those of you who know me know that I have a very strong sense of direction and I know what I want and I'm unwilling to compromise on that. Mm -hmm. And what's fabulous about the short-term rental industry 
is that there are, uh, it's the kind of industry where I make money while I'm sleeping because other people are in my homes. Um, it's the kind of industry where technology is available for me to leverage in a way that my company can act like a very large company with a huge team. But we we do have uh, 12 employees, but I can manage them from my homeschool classroom in my pajamas. Mm-hmm. So here's what's interesting. I'm on your website yes. right now, your family's place. Mm-hmm. So you have three properties, right? Yes. Okay. Are you co-hosting anyone else's properties right now? I don't. I don't. And that's a conversation I have a lot. And I have also noticed in the last few weeks that a lot of these uh, coaches and influencers are uh, they're getting a little desperate. Maybe that's a sign of the change in the industry. We don't co-host anybody else's properties. And part mm-hmm. of it is because I don't like to work for anybody else. Mm-hmm. I like to be my own boss. I like to set my own schedule and all of that kind of stuff. I'm also focused on brand over everything. Mm-hmm. And when you're co-hosting other people's properties, there is a compromise that has to be made if their property is not on brand for you. So all of my efforts, all of my homes, all of that kind of stuff, that comes back to me and it's an investment in me. That's the exact thinking I had you know, a year and a half ago when I joined a different mastermind, STR Secrets. We've also been mm-hmm. doing this for a little while. The first home that we bought, Rory and I bought, was back in 2016. So we've been, I just got my 27th super host quarter, right? So I've been doing mm-hmm. this for a little while, but it's always been, I didn't want to have another boss, right? So I just left mm-hmm. the W2 world a couple of years ago, we wanted to manage our own properties and that was it. Things are changing a little bit for us. Um, we decided to launch a company called Pride Away Stays, which serves, serves just Provincetown, Massachusetts. It's a very unique audience of people. So that is kind of up and running. And we decided to do that because I felt like I needed the next step. And I don't think we're going to buy another property. Last year, we didn't. We might not buy one this year. So this is kind of the new creative endeavor to be able to do this for Mm -hmm. some other people. But I totally get what you're saying in that you wanted to maintain the brand. You wanted to maintain your own portfolio. You want to be your own boss, not answer to other people. And, you know, I think that you show that you could really build a great business with just something as simple as three properties, right? And Mm -hmm. it's... I shouldn't just say just three properties because the majority of people that own real estate own their primary home and that's about it. But we hear so much in our space, you know, how many doors do you own? How many properties do you manage? And bigger always seems better, but that's not always the case, is it? No, it's not. And and one of the things that we were very intentional about is going to the very high end of the market. So right now, all of our homes, they have an ADR between $600 and $800 a night. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons we're kind of bringing up our three to $400 a night house because we're in the process of putting in an indoor pool. So we made the intentional decision to go to the high end of the market because they're more profitable. And so we we do very well. Um, my husband recently got me an award. Uh, we have wow. reached a million dollars in sales. Now, part of being a mother means that this sits on my desk and my children have already decorated it with a Sharpie marker. <laughs> Well, I guess you got to stay humble. So we were very intentional about going to the high end of the market and competing up there because those are more profitable. We're also in the process of purchasing 
land in some different markets so that we can expand our brand to different locations. So mm-hmm. right now, all of our homes are in Ohio. Uh, we really like to travel and vacation up in Northern Michigan. And so we're in the process of acquiring some property up there so that we can then create outposts of your family's place in different locations. So once somebody has been introduced to our brand and understands the experience, they can travel to different places and have that repeatable experience. So, you know, as you speak, I'm kind of getting a sense of the value of branding um, as you do this. And you've picked a a niche that works well, um, Mm -hmm. homes that can accommodate multiple multiple generations and that are at the high end of their respective markets. Um, You know, branding more generally is, is it more important at the higher end of the spectrum? Um, And, you know, what are some of the strategies you took when you put together the brand in the first place? Yeah. I think branding can be valuable at any price point. But what I see is branding is an important exercise in driving customer loyalty. And at the end of the day, turning a a guest that maybe comes to you on an OTA into a guest that will stay with you over and over again and booked directly with you. Um, If you're thinking about any other big brand, if you go to McDonald's, you have a repeatable experience at at any McDonald's that you go to. And it's that kind of thinking is you want to have that repeatable, predictable experience. Now, we went to the high end of the market and McDonald's wouldn't necessarily be at the high end of the market, but they've nailed branding. So for for us, branding is, is just about everything that we do. It's thinking about which colors convey our brand. So one of our brand values is nostalgia. And so we design our homes with nostalgic design choices. One of our homes is set up like summer camp. One of them is like the up north lake cottage. Everything is blue. You feel like you are up north in a state that begins with the letter M. Maine, Minnesota, Michigan. Um, We all have an idea. See, you're smiling. You know what that feels like. It's nostalgia. One of our homes is set up like an English cottage with a little touch of magic in there. We all sort of know what that woodland cottage feels like. And so we're playing on that nostalgia piece, Um, how we set up our homes, how we decorate it, how I dress, how I present myself, how our social media runs. All of that is part of that brand ecosystem And once somebody has a great experience with a brand, they will be insanely loyal to it. So right now, we are 80% direct off of our website, and about 60% of our guests are repeat guests. Now, that didn't happen overnight. That's years of work. Uh, But that goes to the power of branding. 80%? My goodness, I've not heard that number. Yeah. Yes. And we do not use Airbnb at all. I get this question a lot. And that question came up on the mastermind. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, uh, we get, we use Verbo and we do get uh, reservations through Verbo, but we don't use Airbnb at all. And we have a whole different network, a whole network that we've been building out to drive traffic to our website. And yeah, we're at 80% direct and 60% repeat. I have somebody checking in today who's, I think this is their sixth stay with us. Um, I just want to highlight something that I heard in your your prior statement that I think is important for anybody, even in other businesses, when they're thinking about their branding. You were talking about the consistency of how people interact with you um, Mm -hmm. up to the point of, you know, how you communicate, how you dress, how you, um, you know, 
you have the same touch of everything. And then it's also wrapped around um, a sense of values that are unique to you. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the people in this space are going to, would have common shared values, you know, cleanliness, responsiveness, mm -hmm. things like that. And it's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's harder to build a brand around that. But if you have a unique value, such as nostalgia in your case, um, mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, it's better to build a brand around that because that's much more memorable. It is. And that's the power of nostalgia. We all have this kind of almost like it's in our DNA of what these things feel like. And so when I'm talking about these different brand values, it's not just, you know, throwing these things out there. Like, so one of our, we have nostalgia. And so a big part of the nostalgia is in our design. We use black and white because that's very nostalgic. Um, it has to do with the design of our home. But one of our brand values is this idea of a friendliness. And so the question is, what does that mean? I've actually built out a whole bunch of what I call magic phrases that I deploy on our guests to hit that friendliness um, tone. And so one of my magic phrases is, I'm here to help. And that gives our guests that message that that's my job is to help them. And I'm glad to do it. It brings me joy to help you. And so when you have a brand value, something like friendliness, what does that mean? And how can you develop magic phrases that reinforce that? And, and you'll see me use this a lot in a lot of different ways. Um, I'm a part of hospitable hosts and I'll use that phrase a lot. If you have a question, I'll be glad to jump on a call. I'm here to help. I'm mm -hmm. glad to help. And so that magic phrase is something that goes back to one of our core values of friendliness. So if you have those core values, sit down and write out the phrases that you would use that go back to that core value. This really lends to the customer service part of short-term rentals. You know, a lot of people get into the space because they have that second home they wanted to buy or have always wanted to buy. Uh, maybe they're a real estate investor and they get into this space and then suddenly they all realize that they're in a hospitality business. Mm -hmm. They didn't think they were. Yes. They thought they were just in a real yes. estate business, right? Yes. Um, Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. So you're really, you're really nailing the hospitality side. Uh, you know, one thing I'll add though, you know, if, if you're listening to this and can just adopt one or two of those things that, that Rose just mentioned, you are ahead of 90% of the hosts right? The fact that there are so many people not doing this, not leaning into the hospitality side and providing it. I, I'm nowhere near what you're saying, but I think I'm pretty good at it. I I find that a lot of guests are shocked as to how communicative we are and how mm -hmm. much of a great experience that we provide. I get so many comments about this, is the best short-term rental or Airbnb that I've stayed in. You probably hear that all the time, right? And and all you have to do is just be a little bit better than just that standard that they expect and you're just blowing it out mm -hmm. of the water. Yeah. So one of the things that we do, uh, I do this um, right at the moment at which a guest books. Um, so I have a magic phrase that I use um, and it is, you can relax and know that we're going to take excellent care of you. That's one of my magic phrases. As soon as a reservation comes in, I will record a very quick video. I just do it with my phone and um, I say their name twice. So I'll say like, hello, Jason. Thank you for booking Middle Haven in May. You can relax and know that I'm going to take excellent care of you. If you have any questions or you need anything, feel free to reach out. That's it. That's the video message. I can do it in less than 20 seconds. I text it to the guest. 
So I've given them a lot of information in there. First of all, I've said their name twice because everyone's favorite sound is the sound of their own name. And I have told them that they can relax because I am going to take great care of them. Mm-hmm. And so I've said a lot just in that very short message. I've texted it right to their phone and they can they can relax because they did make the right choice to stay with us. And I've told them that they made the right choice. Everybody likes to hear that they made a good choice. Yeah. Rory, I'm going to pledge to do this. I'm recording this. I have to do it now, right? I'm for, <laughs> none, none of this want to. I'm going to say will for everything now. As we learned, you say will and you manifest it. Bill Faith mentioned this last last year um, at the STR Wealth mm-hmm. Conference. He said he records videos for all of his all of his like high high ticket price guests, but you do it for everybody. Um, everybody, I, yeah. I'm I'm thinking this through also. Like we just introduced kind of the VoIP's. Um, phone system mm-hmm. into what we do. We're, we're going to start using open phone. And I think I might mm-hmm. be a little bit more amenable to doing something like that with guests that I'm not sending out my you know personal cell phone number all the time. Granted, I do put that in all of our materials, right? Mm-hmm. But this this might be an easier way to you know kind of have lots of lines of communication with guests. I'm guessing that when you're the one initiating that content, that, that contact, that might be just one of the contributing factors as to why people are rebooking with you because they have an easy way to get a hold of you now, right? Absolutely. And that's part of the strategy behind it is that here's my number, you can message me. It also is a way that if if somebody booked on an OTA and now they have my number, they're like, oh, can I book directly? Absolutely, you can. You are well within your cancellation window and I'd be glad to approve your cancellation request. So that that's one of the that's one of the tricks there. I also do send uh, a handwritten thank you note uh to all of our guests. I send it in the mail to their house. So it's that that's part of the nostalgia piece because handwritten thank you notes are very nostalgic. I send that to the guest's home. And so that thank I thank them. I ask if they're celebrating anything special and I ask them to let me know if there's anything I can do to help them. I also have a little like fridge magnets. They're round magnets that have the logo of the house that they're staying at. I found that people put those on the refrigerator and when they're walking by, they're like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation to that house. And it doesn't necessarily feel like marketing. It feels more like a gift to them. Um, as a side note, I also gave them to our appliance um, company where we buy all of our appliances, and they put those fridge magnets on every appliance in their showroom. And you won't believe how many reservations I've gotten that way. So it's also a little bit of a power move where you know they know where my house is, but I also know where their house is. And it's just a reminder that we, we are in this together and uh, that I'm here to take care yeah. of them. Interesting. You know where their house is because you're sending them a card, right? Where their house is too. Yeah. It's a little bit of a power move, but it's a friendly power move. Rory, I'm feeling overwhelmed right here <laughs> by, by what we're not doing, right? Um, but uh, Rose, I should employ you to do all this stuff for us. But no, that, that defeats the point. I'm supposed to do it, right? So we're the, we're the company that yes. hosts it. Right? And also you can't afford me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure you I can't can. afford me. <laughs> um, okay, so, so all this lends to the... Um, the direct bookings that you're getting, right? You know, and we talked about search engine optimization and really getting found. Doing podcasts like this certainly helps. You've been on local media. Um, You work with influencers as well, which is part of really the the genesis of this conversation. So let's get into a couple of those tactics. Um, 
So actually, before I do that, I just want to ask, do you live close to your properties, like within driving distance? Yes. So right now we live um, within 20 minutes of all of our properties. Mm -hmm. And so we we are available if our guests need us. I like to think of it as a dance between me and the guests, but I'm not leading. They're leading and I'm going to take their, I'm going to follow their lead on that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we do live uh, within 20 minutes of all of our homes right now, but we're in the process of that expansion. What what percentage of the guests the guests do you think that you meet in person? Like the of the groups, not every individual person, but the overall groups. Yeah, not many, to be honest with you. Um, and I I think that that is because they have um, a comfort. Um, once they get to the homes, I've tried to answer as many questions as possible, including proactively answering questions. And I actually don't see very many guests at all, mm-hmm. um, which I'm okay with that because then I'd have to put on like real clothes to leave the house. So <laughs> you look really put together today. So if you're well, listening I have to this, pajama pants. I have oh, pajama do. pants under this. <laughs> the secrets. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. So, so I, I asked that question also just because I wasn't sure if this is something that, you know, how if you could just like go meet the guests, you know, to that level, mm-hmm. like we don't meet too many of our guests ourselves, although we are within driving distance. So the majority of our properties, but I think that your, your tactics could apply to anybody. If you're, if you're managing your properties remotely or managing them nearby, you can still kind of be there for your guests without having to hop in the car and go. Right. Absolutely. So my friend, Christiane Crump is the founder of STR hub and she lives up in Idaho, but she manages and owns some homes down in Gulf shores. And uh, we were together in September and I was sharing her, sharing with her the idea of the video and the handwritten notes. Cause she was wondering how she could connect better with her guests from halfway across the country. And that's the kind of thing that she can send to a guest wherever she is and wherever they are. And it helps build that personal connection from how halfway across the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. One devil's advocate question I have for you before we get to all these like really cool tactics. Ready. All right. Yes. So we are, we are, you know, the majority of Airbnb and Verbo, like 95% of what we do are those two. And I realize that we can get, we're one mistake away from being suspended by anybody, right? Airbnb could do that. Just, just yank the carpet out from under us. But, you know, we had our best year last year. Uh, 2023, Mm -hmm. everyone, a lot of people had their best year in 2021, but, you know, we just continue growing and growing. If I am able to get essentially my places booked at the right rates, you know, with the right occupancy to continue growing, why should I go above and beyond with these little tactics? Again, this is a devil's advocate thing. I'm not challenging. Yeah. No, I I think that, and I, I get that question a lot, is people feel comfortable with the way things are right now. Things never stay the same forever. And this industry is always changing and either you're growing or you're dying. That's that's my way of looking at it. You're either creating systems and processes to make your company better or you're dying. And I think that what we see is this level of unpredictability with Airbnb and and with Verbo and with the with the OTAs in general. And we've all heard those horror stories. There was somebody recently in the Boostly community who um, has a bunch of villas in Bali. Um, his account got shut down. He has no idea. He had no idea why. He literally lost sixty thousand dollars in two hours. Wrong. That's really scary. And you know, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's a one-off thing. What did he do wrong? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. He's out sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And I think if you are relying on a third party to provide your company with all of your income, you don't have a real business. 
You are just a subsidiary of that other company. So that that is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build a standalone business. It, five years ago, eight years ago, nobody really knew what Airbnb is. Who knows what it's going to be five years from now, eight years from now. The reality is, is vacation rentals have been around since the beginning of time. This right now with the OTAs is the current iteration of it, but I'm looking to build a sustainable business into the future. And so that means having a very diverse funnel that's bringing reservations into my books. That This is the the podcast host and me letting you just spout out the uh, great sound bites like that and not jumping in with the uhs and the ums. If you're a podcast host, just let your guests talk a little bit. You could use that content afterward. What great advice, right? That is that it's so true. And you have a list of reasons that you've been able to build up this, you know, business to the fact that you're getting four to five bookings directly. Um, let's start with some of your SEO tactics because yes. this is something that I think a lot of a lot of individual short-term rental operators are really not doing. Um, they're relying on the OTAs to provide that SEO. And by the way, they do a really good job with that. They do a great job marketing properties. But when you want to build your own business, like mm -hmm. you've done, what are a couple things that that are immediately actionable SEO ideas? Yes. So first of all, you should, if you have a book direct website, you should absolutely do some sort of an SEO audit. And there's lots of companies that do that. And, and that's sort of like that entry level. One of the things that, that I have done intentionally is create pieces of media that mention me personally, that mention our company. So for anybody listening or watching right now, um, go ahead and pause and type my name, Rose Tipka into Google. Um, and you will see the entire page of Google are things that I've put out there intentionally to increase my SEO. If you do the same thing with our company's name, your family's place, I am doing bid on brand. So we're going to come up number one. I've also branded all of our properties with specific names. If somebody finds me on an OTA and they then take the name of my property and they plug that into Google, my book direct website is going to come up first because I'm doing bid on brand on the names of my properties. So you need to be intentional about putting the information out there that you want. And that is a whole strategy of you know, personal branding, but also branding for your company. I've done lots of interviews for our um, local newspaper. I've done a number of news segments. A lot of our guests are coming from the Cleveland market. So I've done a number of morning news segments and those SEO very well. Podcasts like this absolutely help my SEO. All of those things are part of raising your visibility by putting out the information that you want out there. Have you, um, we had a couple guys on the podcast from Host Pros mm -hmm. in Cleveland um, a number mm -hmm. of months ago. Have you met them before? Do you know Dave? And I Mark? We met, yes, we met at STR Wealth last year. Yes. Okay. They're going to be there again this year. And I think they're fantastic. I love those guys. Like I kind of leached onto them and, and grabbed a, uh, I, I invited myself to a touch day dinner uh, with them. So I met those folks as well. But um, yeah, they do some amazing work throughout Ohio. If you guys haven't partnered up or found a way to work mm -hmm. together, you know, I'd recommend that. Yes. Um, um, but as you were doing that, I typed in your name 
And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I mean, it's a page full of Rose Tipka and you know your family's place, all your interviews, podcast interviews, video interviews, content that you've written. You know that mm -hmm. is really what you want to do. You know, if if you're if you're trying to build a brand, you want to own all those positions on the Google search results page. You know, no question asked. Mm -hmm. And we work with a marketing company called Build Up Bookings. Um, mm -hmm. Conrad is the guy over there. And I love working with Conrad because he has been so helpful in teaching me, but also I do have limited time. And so it's great to be able to work with uh, a company that you can give tasks to, and then they take care of it. <laughs> um, so I've learned a lot from them about it, and they have definitely been a huge support in helping our company grow. Yeah. You know, one thing I've struggled with a little bit is, you know, being pulled in so many different directions, um, you know, with all of our yeah. ventures. You know, we have this podcast, the Real Estate Law Podcast. Uh, we just launched Pride Away Stays, you know, which is getting off the ground. And then we have our own properties. Um, a lot of the stuff, the digital marketing work, like I know how to do it, but I don't get jazzed by it all that much anymore. I mean, I used to sell mm -hmm. digital advertising. I was a digital sales director for a while. Um, you know, that it becomes a time suck. And I think that you touched mm -hmm. upon what you probably should do. And there's so many business books out there about focusing on, you know, the the highest and best use of your time. And everyone these days seems to be reading like whatever 10X is the new 2X or 10, whatever it's called, the book is called that, you know, basically yeah. says focus on the, um, you know, the 20% the, the of your business that will lead to 80% of the results. So you're outsourcing some of these things to people that are professionals that know how to do it probably not better, but that have more time you know, and can yeah. use their resources better. And and this is another mm -hmm. example of that. Yeah. And I work, I work with them. I don't just hire them and then they go off into the wilderness to do it. I've mm -hmm. taken the time to build relationships with my copywriter. I give her a year's worth of blog posts ahead of time and say, these are all of our blog post topics for the year. And then she goes and she does the SEO in the background and she writes the blog posts. I proof them they go up. I work with a, a writer who does all of our email marketing. And we hear this a lot is you need to be doing email marketing. And a lot of hosts, they just feel overwhelmed by that. Mm -hmm. How do I do it? And so I have given Dawn a year's worth of two email marketings uh, a month. I give it to her a year out. And so she knows exactly what we're doing. We have a quick phone call and she writes my voice better than I write my voice. And that has been really important in nurturing those relationships with our guests. Also, let's say I'm listening to a podcast and they talk about segmenting your email list. Well, if I was trying to do it on my own, it would be very overwhelming and it probably wouldn't be done. But I can get on the phone with Dawn and say, hey, Dawn, let's do an email that segments people. If they're coming in through StayFi, let's have a nurture campaign that kicks in at the six-month point and the nine-month point to remind them that the anniversary of their stay is coming and that we would love to host them again. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that conversation. And then Dawn can action on that. I could do it myself. Absolutely. It's not technically difficult, but that for me is not the best use of my time. Do you mind if I ask, are, is any of your staff off uh, overseas? Like, are you working at virtual no. assistants? We no. do not have any VAs. I do work um, with Maddie Smith, who's down in Australia. Her company mm -hmm. is called Short Stay EA or Short Stay Executive Assistant. And Maddie helps a lot on the back end of hosting in the motherhood. Um, working on organizing content and all of that kind of stuff. And so Maddie has been very helpful for me with um, 
with hosting in the motherhood because I I can't I can't do it all and that's okay I can say that and then I can work with people who are professionals who are excellent at what they do and uh, and Maddie has been super helpful with hosting in the motherhood. I'm hoping is Maddie going to be in Nashville or was she, she is there? and it's her yeah. birthday and it'll be her birthday while we're there. This is her first time to the states, so I'm very excited. We met when I was down um, for the Astra conference, and uh, so I'm very excited to uh, to bring her over to the states. I, I saw that you spoke in Australia. What was that like? Yes, it was amazing. First of all, the Aussies are very nice and they're very friendly. Um, they have a slightly different structure to the short-term rental industry in Australia. Um, they don't see as much individual property ownership as we see here in the States. They're still more of that old school big VR company setup. Um, they are also really struggling with regulation down there. They have a different concept of property ownership, I think, than we have here in the States. And property owners have much less rights to the use of their property. Um, so there's an area in Australia called Byron Bay, and it's up um, by the Great Barrier, well, not by the Great Barrier Reef, but it's north of Brisbane. And I would kind of call it like the Malibu of Australia. That's where like the Helmsworth have their home. Byron Bay has a housing shortage, as many people in the world are experiencing. So their local council's solution to that was to limit the number of days that people could rent their homes. The problem is, is these folks with multi-million dollar mansions aren't going to then like turn it into a long-term rental. It, it, it's very short-sighted. And, and so they're really struggling with what regulation looks like in their industry right now. That's a similar issue in Provincetown, actually, which is on the very tip of Cape Cod. Uh, it is one of the mm -hmm. you know most gay-friendly destinations in the entire United States. And a lot of people aspire to own there, right? So a lot of people mm -hmm. that have their second homes there, they are probably not going to rent them out long-term to people who work there mm -hmm. or the workforce that comes in the summertime. And that was something that's come up with city council there as well. Some, some of the research that happened in Provincetown showed that there's actually fewer short-term rentals today than there were five years ago because they're thinking mm -hmm. that more people are taking their units off the market and using them more or you know they're you know dual income no kids or they're wealthy and they work in these big you know urban areas that they don't need to rent their places out they have their fabulous house here they have their fabulous house at home they have their fabulous house in palm springs or you know south beach mm -hmm. or wherever and and basically it's not like the short-term rental would have taken a unit off the market that would have gone into the long-term rental pool is kind of what they actually concluded. Yeah. And not all communities are coming to that conclusion just yet, but the prices in Promise Center are so high that nobody's going to buy a property today and then turn it around to a 12-month lease. They're just It just doesn't make financial sense to do that. And I actually think city council has finally identified that. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing different areas in our country kind of seeing that the talking points that that STRs are are eating up the housing supply as it's not necessarily being a false argument, but it's something much more complicated than you can put on a bumper sticker. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in the Tahoe area, um, they passed a, uh, a lot of restrictions. And what they saw was that folks who wanted to sell their homes, um, they thought that they were going to get a nice 
premium. And then when they went to sell, they they couldn't and they had to sell for a lot less because people could not do vacation rentals. And so there's been some modifications in the Tahoe area. You see uh, ski markets like Telluride intentionally building affordable housing in specific areas and limiting where STRs can be and just being really intentional about having this match of affordable housing and STRs. So as with many things, you can't just put this on a bumper sticker and say that that sums up the entire situation. Yeah. Um, before we start to wrap up, I want to talk about influencers and working with them. Absolutely. Because that was part of the <laughs> genesis of why we even wanted to, I want to talk to Rose. Um, so Rose, uh, was a was a guest on our mastermind call. I think it was last month. And you know, mm -hmm. you actually you invited somebody on who you who has stayed at your property. So I reached out to afterward as well and said how much I uh, appreciate her thoughts and and shared with her our properties and said if you're ever in New England, please let me know. And she was like, oh, your properties are great. I'd love to come. So maybe she will. Um, I do know that she's looking for a place in Rhode Island. So maybe you should you should reach out to her because she was asking me about that. Okay. I actually, I know somebody that hosts properties in some beach communities in Rhode Island. I will connect her with yeah. my friend who does that. Um, so how did that start? Like, what is it like yes. working with influencers? What are some things that people need to look out for? Like some of the benefits of doing it and some of the reasons against it. And, and when you finally kind of come into agreement with an influencer contractually, legally, what are some things that people should look out for? Yes. So first of all, when we're talking about working with influencers or content creators, please don't start losing your mind. <laughs> people think it's it's this really sexy form of advertising and you're going to get a reel that's going to go viral and like your whole life is going to change. No, that that's this is a form of marketing in the way that all of the other things that we do is a form of marketing. So what was really important to me when I made the decision to find content creators to work with is to find folks that had overlapping audiences with my potential guests. So how do you do that? You need to find out who your potential guests are, where they're located, what social media accounts they're following. Um, so one of the things that I did was uh, I was uh, very visual about it. I downloaded um, an Excel document with the addresses of my previous guests. And I put them into a mapping software and it was very clear to me that my guests were coming from the Cleveland area and the surrounding suburbs. And so that was my jumping off point. And then I did a lot of research on mostly women between 35 and 55. Those are the ones that are making most of my reservations. What social media accounts are they following? What news channels do they watch? And I got myself on those news channels. So I really was very clear about whose eyeballs I wanted to be in front of. I didn't just shoot off a bunch of messages to folks with a, a bunch of followers. Again, don't lose your mind. Be strategic. This is marketing. So I found some folks that had overlapping audiences with my potential guests. And I reached out to them and started developing relationships with them. And um, I asked if they would be interested in coming, staying with me, and sharing their experience with their followers. That's sort of how the beginning happens. Now, there's a lot of stuff that happens before that. And it's everything that we've already talked about. I have a clear brand. 
I have a media kit that I send to people so that they know that I'm legit. Um, there, you better believe they're going to type my name into Google. And when they do that, they're going to see that I'm legit. So everything that we've talked about up to this point are all the things that you do to set yourself up to be successful with content creator marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's part of why Rory and I did this podcast. I mean, this is we're 150 episodes in at this point mm-hmm. was really for credibility and to be mm-hmm. able to point to it and say, hey, look what we're doing, you know, and everybody can say they have a podcast, right? And everybody can launch a podcast. And I've talked to so many people that want to pick my brain about the podcast. And that's great. We love getting our brains picked, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if people don't follow up with it, you know, like once we made it past, you know, that eighth episode, which is when people usually give up, you know, we thought we were in the clear and we just keep on going and keep on going. And now Rory, this has happened so many times, Rory, where he's pointed to it in his legal world and said, Hey, I'm a host of the real estate law podcast. And instantly you have this credibility, mm-hmm. right? Rory. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can give relatively dry presentations to a group of realtors and, you know, you mentioned you have a podcast and people take out their phones and they're looking, you know, where do I find it? And it just kind of instantly animates the, the, the room and we should, I think it enhances the connection with people too, because then they can drive home from it and hear your voice and, you know, deepen the relationship, even if it's kind of one-sided on that transaction. We've had, a lot of people, we've had a lot of people that have listened to a number of episodes that will then run into it, a real estate meetup or friends of ours that say that they, you know, I had, I had a friend who has a place up in Northern Maine or Central Maine or something. He's like, I listen to all your episodes in the drive up and back and everything. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm like, I hope they've, they've been entertaining or informative. <laughs> I guess they have been if he keeps listening, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, okay. So th- that's some great advice for the influencers. Rory, what mm-hmm. do you think people should be looking out for from a legal perspective, working with them? And Rose probably knows the answer better than you do, but what, what's your just thought as a attorney? Um, I mean, part of it is going to be how you vet them to make sure that, you know, that you're not going to get tagged to something crazy that you didn't expect. Um, kind of particularly in this world, you don't want to have your brand tied to something that's destructive and negative. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, you want to, Make sure that your their role and what they're going to do with you and for you is really crystal clear. Because um, if it's just you know, please go put out a social media post that endorses us, that can take a thousand different forms. Some of which might come across as irrelevant or worse um, if they do it poorly. So, making the expectations clear and vetting them, I think, are the two things that come to my mind. Yeah, and that's a very important part of our process. So sometimes people sort of they get all infatuated with the con- the idea of using a content creator. But when I work with somebody, we, one of the very first discussions that we have is what my expectations are in deliverables. That's the very first conversation that we have. This is what I expect. And everything is to be posted within two weeks of checkout. Because I had somebody who was dragging their feet on getting everything up. And so that was a new thing that we added to our contract. Um, I also send them specific posting guidelines. Like these are the four things that I would like to focus on in your posting guidelines. And so we have that clear conversation up front because being clear is to be kind. And that's part of our contract is what the deliverables are, when they're going to be up, and that these are the posting guidelines. 
One of the things that you should be asking a content creator, especially if there's someone that they do a lot of travel content, if they have any restrictions on when they can post their content. Uh, for example, I worked with a content creator in December, and she had also worked with a water park. And a part of her contract with the water park was that she couldn't post any other travel content within, uh, I wasn't sure if it was two weeks or 30 days. And so she let me know because that was something that was a restriction on what she could post. Um, and so that, that that's part of the discussion that you should ask that person if they have any contractual limitations on what they can post and share, just so you know about it. You need to ask those questions going in. And that also works into our contract. It's very important that we remember that we are professionals and that professionals work with professionals. And that means your contracts and your legal documents should not be outsourced to a Facebook page. You need to work with an actual for realsies lawyer and have them write up your contract. Or do you count as a for realsies lawyer? For realsies. Oh, I, oh, I sure do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Rose, uh, last couple of questions before we get to our final three that we ask everybody. Um, mm -hmm. We, the influencer that you invited onto the call with Million Dollar Host, uh, she mentioned a website called Stayamo, which I'd never heard of before, yes. and I signed up for and put my property up there, and I heard from somebody, and I actually want to ask about what they've sent back to me and see if that's a good thing. Um, is that mm -hmm. how you find all of the people that are influencers who stay in your properties, or are you doing a lot of just outreach on DMs in Instagram? Yeah. So first of all, Stayamo is an excellent resource that helps people get started. Um, Jordan Kahana, I think is how his last name is pronounced, is the founder of Stayamo. And he is an excellent, uh, excellent business person. And he'll be a very interesting person for you to have on your podcast as well. I personally have not used Stayamo because I sort of got started doing this type of marketing before I even knew about it. And one of the things that I found is once you have a little collection of content creators that you've worked with and it's gone well, they are absolutely going to recommend you to the people in their network. Because just like how you and I were in the same industry and we have masterminds and we have meetings, content creators have the exact same thing in their network. And so I've actually been able to leverage those relationships to new content creators, and they already then have experience from their friends. And it's actually made it easier for me to progress and find new folks that are good matches for our brand. That's fascinating. I will reach out to them. On and Stayamo. the content creator that I've worked with a lot, her name is Jessica Popley. Yes. And she was the um, content creator who was with us on the mastermind call. She is a mom of three. She has three young kids. And um, we started working together just as a, you know marketing, but we've actually become really great friends. And um, she's a fabulous person and she does excellent vacation rental content. And um, she also uses me as a reference if she wants to travel someplace and a host has a question about working with her, she will absolutely use me and that host will reach out to me and I will give them my recommendations on that. It's a two-way street mm -hmm. and um, we work really great together. So the influencer who reached out to me, I won't, I won't say the person's name, but it was for one of our properties yeah. in New Hampshire. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, she said, typically I ask for at least three nights in exchange for one reel slash video, five DSLR photos and two plus stories per day. I usually cater my deliverables to what the homeowner wants. So if you want me to focus on the exterior versus interior drone shots or just DSLR photos and not videos, I'm happy to adjust. If you want more than one video, I usually ask for a minimum of four nights. So a comment like that, mm -hmm. where does that 
so so for me my my deliverables my deliverables that i ask from my content creators are five uh, first of all they're saying two nights that's the mm-hmm. beginning is they're getting two nights um they do five to eight stories and my account is mentioned in all the stories i need to be very clear about that they can't just post stories I my account needs to be mentioned in it. Um, they do one to two reels where my account is added as a collaborator. And I'm very clear on that. It's not just a reel about their vacation. I'm a collaborator on that. And then it's one to two carousel posts where I'm added as a collaborator on those. Those are my typical asks. I don't normally ask for... Um, high quality photography from their stay. I'm looking more for that, you know, review on steroids. Mm -hmm. That is my typical ask in return for two night stays. Now also keep in mind, my properties are at a very high price point. So that might be factoring into your decision-making, but those are my typical um, asks for deliverables. And I have never had anybody have a problem with that or push back or do less. In fact, the opposite is true, um, is they tend to post more and more, um, mm-hmm. and they continue to reuse that content over and over again. And so look- I-, I guess, go ahead. You're not looking for license to the photos or video or anything like for your own personal no. use? No, because yeah. I, what I would like, I have a lot of photography that I use for our for our marketing and all of that kind of stuff. What I'm looking for is that review on steroids um, because we are in that, we are in that hospitality business. When content creators are staying in our homes, their followers see them in these spaces and they know they can go stay there too. It's a very attainable thing for their followers to be able to live that influencer lifestyle, I guess, if you want to call it. Um, so I have not asked for that. And that is not typically the the type of content creator that I work with. I work more with other women who are also moms who are traveling with their kids because those are the people making the reservations mm-hmm. in my in my homes. And are you allowing like two night stays on a weekend during a high season or when are they normally staying? So a lot of times uh, we will, we have a really long lead time on a lot of our property. So that goes back to knowing your business. And when I am within that lead time, and if I have a weekend, say that's not booked, um, I know it's unlikely for me to get a last minute reservation. Um, So I've nurtured relationships. And if I have a weekend coming up, um, that I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get a reservation, you know, two weeks out, that's when I'll reach out to somebody in my network um, that I've already established a relationship with. And I'll say, you know, I have this weekend available. Are we ready to go on this agreement? And that's usually um, how how that works. So I have somebody coming um, in two weeks because we were within that lead time where it's unlikely I'm going to get a last minute reservation. Um, she was a reference. Another person that a content creator I already worked with referred her to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I reached out to her and lined her up. Are you charging them anything like a cleaning fee or is it all just... Trade, no, basically. No, I it is all trade. Now, one of the things that I do, and Jessica mentioned this in our mastermind. So if you're going to be working with a content creator, you need to put them into your system and treat them like every other guest. They need the full guest experience. I know they're not paying for it, but that goes into how they're going to post about you. They need to have all the emails. They need to get that video. They need to get that thank you note, all of that kind of stuff. 
um, treat them like every other guest that you have so that they know what the whole hospitality experience is when someone stays with you. Rose, why don't we ask our final three questions? Because I can go on forever with this. And like, I just, we need, <laughs> need to wrap this it up. This happens. <laughs> I know. You got a lot of kids downstairs. I know that they, they need mm -hmm. your attention. So, um, okay. So we ask these three questions of all of our guests uh, that come on the podcast just yes. to wrap things up and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, first mm -hmm. question, if you could get on stage for half an hour and talk about any subject in the world with zero preparation, what would that be? Mm-hmm. So I, I would talk a lot about how women don't need to choose between having success professionally and being fulfilled in their family life. I assure you, nobody has ever asked my husband how he does it all and how he manages it. And when he goes out in public without the children, nobody has ever asked him where the children are. Uh, but I get those questions all the time. And I want women to understand that you don't need to compromise. You need to live your life based on your values and what's important to you, and that you can achieve that. And I know, well, I have a lot of kids and I get a lot of questions about that. I also live my life on my terms based on what's important to us as a family. And I don't need to compromise on either of those things because I have to make myself and my family happy first before the rest of the universe has to approve of what we do. Love that confidence, right? I mean, like, I think that basically that's an overarching theme with everything we talked mm -hmm. about today. And, you know, a lot of people in this space, men and women need to find that confidence to feel like they belong uh, but I'm guessing that there's an even deeper level of it with women. We've had a lot of women on this podcast that run their own female uh, meetup groups or real estate networks. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I totally get it, like, as to why that's important, because, you know, women build each other up. And sometimes yes. when you when you come to a real estate group, you know, like we just went to a meetup last week, it's, you know, 85% of the people were men in the room and the women that mm -hmm. were there are the spouses of a couple of yes. the men. You know, and that, did you ask any of the men there where their children were? No, <laughs> we certainly didn't. But, you know, we had to leave early because, you know, we're a two dad household and <laughs> yeah. we had to get home to the sitter. <laughs> I get know? that question a lot, but nobody has ever asked my husband how he manages it all. Yeah. Nobody's ever asked him that. Um, and it, he, and here's the thing. Um, we don't have a big company. We don't have a big, a whole bunch of homes. And you know what? That's okay, because I am spending my time the way that I want to spend it. And, you know, managing 100 homes for somebody else, that's not how I want to spend my time. Mm -hmm. But what we do is just as valuable and just as meaningful as that property management company that has 300 homes. Well, it's because you're so dialed in as to why you're doing this in the first place, you know, which I think, mm -hmm. again, if you're listening to this podcast and have made it this deep into it, figure that out. Think about why mm -hmm. you want to do this. Like, does you know, you talked about it earlier on in the podcast as well, and it's a very personal experience for everybody. It could be because there's elder parents at home and you need to be around them more. It could be because you have children. It because could be because you just don't want to work in a traditional office. Uh, maybe you're an entrepreneurial, uh, you know, spirit, and you just don't want that traditional job. And you just got out of college and you want to find your way this way, or maybe you need a career change. You know, you're 50 years old and you know, you made it as far as you can in your career and you're looking for your plan B and, and this could be it. There's so many different personal reasons as to why, right? So, but you, you clearly have dialed in as to why, you know, what, what the end goal is. Um, and that's why you've structured your business so, the way that you have. Yeah. I only answer to me, my family, my husband. Those are the only people's opinion at the end of the day that really matters. And so I mm -hmm. have to make decisions based on that. You don't answer to your kids? 
<laughs> they wish. <laughs> uh, okay. Second final question. Um, tell us something happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. No, oh. let's see. I was a teacher before I became a mother and uh, I learned something really important as a teacher is that changing the life of one person um, was changing everything for them. Um, sometimes we want to make the world a better place and we want to help as many people as possible and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but changing one person's life matters to that one person. Um, when I was a teacher, um, I was in a small rural school district. Um, they only had about 50 kids in a graduating class. It was very, very small. And a lot of kids in that school, um, they grew up there, their parents grew up there, the grandparents grew up there, and they'll probably spend a lot of their life in that small town. Um, I would send one one student a year, a young lady on Outward Bound, which is an outdoor um, nature experience. And it's life-changing for people. It gives them the opportunity to see the world outside of their little bubble. And I could only afford to send one kid a year, but for that one kid, it changed their life. And I am sure of that because I still have relationships with those students who are now mothers and, and you know, adults themselves. And um, that I know I made the world a better place for those people. And I'm really proud of what we did for them. Mm -hmm. You know, educators touch children all the time. And I think back to a lot of the teachers that I had, and we remember things you know, that they might forget, you know, the, I'm sure that some of the kids that you've touched that you didn't send on the outward bound also have, you know, a fond memory of you. And it might be for a reason that you don't even remember, but it rem mm -hmm. they remember it as to what happened yes. in the classroom. So, you know, the kids are watching, I think is the lesson. Yes. Um, and I, and I still have good relationships with students that I had. And um, one of them is actually one of my neighbors <laughs> at one of my houses. And uh, she recently had her third child. And um, I've spent the last couple of weeks taking food over to her, like, here, here's some food. I'm here to help you. Here's some food. Here, there's that magic phrase. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and we've, we've become friends now. So she was my student. I had her and all of her siblings and I'm still there supporting her, cheering her on because um, she's uh, in the mortgage business and she's a fabulous mother, a fabulous woman. And I'm first in line to cheer her on. And that doesn't change. Does she have a hard time calling you Rose or she still calls you Mrs. Tipka? Or Mrs. Tipka? <laughs> yes, Mrs. Yeah. Tipka. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I'm still first in line to cheer her on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, tell us something you're listening to or watching or reading these days, anything in the world. Yeah. So I've been reading a lot of books on hospitality. A lot of times we get really focused on the STR business and remember that there's a hospitality industry outside of us. So I have been power reading a lot of books on hospitality, um, unreasonable hospitality, never lose a, a customer again, all of those kinds of stuff and trying to get little you know nuggets of hospitality gold from these other industries and how do I use them in our industry? So I'm doing a, a deep dive into that kind of stuff right now just downloaded unreasonable hospitality myself last week um have you listened mm -hmm. to be our guest or read that one yet yes book? i did read yeah. that one as well that's the disney one i thought yeah. it was good um i'm not sure how much of that is actionable for me but i thought it was good um it wasn't the best hospitality one um there was one about the power of moments which i thought was i think that was what it was called that book the power of moments about curating specific moments to uh 
to leave your guests with those memories. And it talked about how there's peaks and troughs and like that first 15 minutes is a peak and also checkout is a peak and it'll really wash out any troughs in the middle. I thought that was a good one as well. Mm -hmm. But I think Never Lose a Customer Again was probably the best hospitality read that I've done in the last year. So much great advice from you and directions that you're pointing people. Um, so thank you so much for all of this, Rose. This has been fantastic. Uh, you are our resident expert in you know this level of hospitality. We're going to have you on the podcast in the future again with whatever great thing you're doing, especially up in Michigan. And you know, can't wait to hear uh, how things continue with your properties in Ohio. Um, if you want to learn more about Rose, obviously we'll link all the stuff up in the show notes, but Rose Tipka, T-I-P-K-A, did I get that right? Yes. Uh, that is, you can Google that, those nine letters right there, and you will find <laughs> a lot about her. So hopefully you'll find this podcast as well uh, that will eventually start ranking on your name. Um, Rose, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. This will come out after our conference, but I hope that we will have had a chance to meet in person. Um, and I'll look forward to you know continuing to learn from you. Uh, in, awesome. You Thank know. you. This is great. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please, we love five-star reviews, five-star ratings. Uh, we also read all of your comments. Um, like and subscribe this. Tell all your friends about it. And uh, we really appreciate uh, your having listened or watched this. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, uh, you can go to realestatelawpodcast.com, learn more about us, and you'll find our lead form there. On behalf of Rory and Rose, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. This is Jason, and we'll see you next time.